We're, we're happy to have uh, Jackson and Rachel and, and Marissa. Marissa and Marissa. That's uh, Rhonda's niece. Our nie- Rhonda's niece is a little girl. You can see she's very little. She's 12 going on 21 or something. 14 going on 21. So, Well, this morning... Um, like to speak about Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 to 25, hold to the truth. And the, the scripture heading for this section is, don't throw it all away. But I, I wanted to kind of turn that around and, and look at this and say, hold to the truth. And as we read the scriptures here in Hebrews chapter 10, he says, so friends, we can now without hesitation walk right into God right up to God, into the holy place. Jesus has cleared the way by the blood of his sacrifice, acting as our priest before God. The curtain into God's presence is his body. So what's going on here, and especially for the the, the Hebrew um, individuals, Jewish individuals that um, the writer is speaking of here, he's telling them that um, they were used to the temple, And the temple had what was called the holies of holies. And there was the holy place, and then there was the holies of holies inside of the tabernacle. And the holy place was separated from the holies of holies, where God's presence was, by a curtain. And so only once a year could a priest go behind the curtain into the holy of holies with a um, blood offering, a blood sacrifice, for the people of of Israel and for the nation. So what happens here is the writer to the Hebrews is saying that what was going on in the Old Testament with the separation between the holy place and the holy of holies, is this separation is torn. When Jesus Christ died upon the cross, that veil was torn and access to the holy of holies, God's presence was made available. In the Old Testament, if someone entered into that uh, Holy of Holies that wasn't a priest, or if the priest went in with sin in his life, didn't go through the ceremonial cleansing, he was struck dead. And the priest would wear these, uh, would be like um, a bell and a clanger. Now, the, bell, the clanger wasn't inside the bell. It was beside it, and it was woven into the, his bottom of his garments. And he also had a rope tied around his leg. So when he went into the holies of holies, they could tell he was still alive because of the ringing. <laughs> and if the ringing stopped, they pulled him out. <laughs> because you could not have access to that holy of holies with sin in your life. There was no way you could enter into that place. And if the priest wasn't right with God and didn't follow through with all the ceremonial cleansing, he was struck dead. So, and if he was struck dead, you didn't go in and get him. You had to pull him out. So uh, what the writer to the Hebrews is saying, we can now, without hesitation, meaning believers now, because of the death of Jesus Christ, can without hesitation walk right up to God into the holy place. So he's saying that there is no distinction, there's no separation for believers entering into the presence of God. That we can walk right into the presence of God. So every time we pray, 
we are entering into the presence of God. That whenever we are thinking of God, now we also know that we become the temple of the Holy Spirit, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But we are the dwelling place of God. So we have this access into God, right into this holy place. And the way by the blood of the sacrifice, this was made clear or made open to us by the death of Jesus Christ, his blood being shed upon the cross, we having that blood apply to our lives forgiveness, we enter into that very holy place. That's why the death of Jesus Christ on the cross was so important to us and so important to believers. And then, verses 22 to 25, he says, so let's do it full of belief. What do what? Enter into God's presence. Let's do it full of belief, confident that we're presentable inside and out. See, the priest was, you know, if you didn't, you know, can you imagine if you were the high priest and you didn't, if you did not perform the ceremonial cleansing and you didn't complete it correctly, you were dead. So if there were things that he had done, the priest had done and walked into the presence of God, it was all over. Now, he's saying if Christ's blood has been applied to our lives, that we are forgiven, washed by the blood of the Lamb, we are what? We are presentable inside and out. So, let's keep a firm grip on the promises that keep us going. So, we are now right with God, and we have the promises of God that he is with us, he forgives us, he walks with us, he'll never leave me nor forsake me. So we have the correct promises to keep on going. And then we also recognize he always keeps his word. So let's see how inventive we can be in encouraging love and helping out. So let's see now how encouraging we can be in loving and in helping out. What is our concept of God? He is encouraging, helping, never leaving nor forsaking. He is not in the guilt-ridden business. He's in the forgiveness, bringing us into a right relationship, knowing that his hand is upon us, and we keep these promises in mind. We keep them in mind as we keep on going. So, not avoiding worshiping, not avoiding worshiping together as some do, but spurring each other on. We have, a relation, we have a responsibility to be in worship and to encourage other people to be here also. So don't give up on your worship. Don't give up on your relationship with God. Don't give up on the promises of God, but allow those promises to be part of our life, and especially as we see the big day approaching, meaning that Jesus Christ is going to return and that we have a responsibility to God and to the body of Christ to receive what God wants to do in our life and then to keep on giving it to other people. So when we said this morning about we are a vessel and God fills our vessel and we splash all over, <laughs> that's what we want to do. Just splash all over people and bless them and encourage them so that we can have this right relationship with God. Now, we hold to these truths. We hold these truths. We hold these truths. Now, we don't understand, I don't understand why bad things happen to good people. 
Yesterday's paper had the massacre in Colorado. It had where they found uh, an individual that had a baby, unborn child, and flushed it down the toilet, and it was stuck in the sewage system in Johnstown. And then there was a man who was robbed and tied up and set afire. Okay? That's all in the newspaper yesterday morning. So, we, okay, we talked about entering into God's presence and that we are to continue to be in there, in there, and then we come out and what do we find as we go about our daily lives? We find out that our world around us is on a downward slide, that the world around us has what? Put a distance between some sense of morality and some sense of understanding of what is right and wrong that our world around us has no governing basis as to what's going on around it. You see, uh, Marissa just went down, uh, downstairs, but yesterday she was on the computer, and she was, you know, she has these little things, they're black and white, and it says, I love pink. You know, I don't understand it. But anyhow, there's this pink story, you know, and she was looking at that pink site, you know, and I was, she was looking at it, and I was watching these pink things come up, you know, pink bookcases and stuff like that. And right on the side of the computer was one of those pop-up things. And the pop-up thing read, what does it read? See, I lost what it was. I had it in my mind, and it went away. The pop-up thing says, there is a new God in the world, and it is you. So here is a 14-year-old, 12-year-old, whatever, looking at the computer, looking at a site that talks about pink. There's a pink store at the mall and stuff like that. And along this, it's for girls, I guess. I haven't been in it. I went to the pink store yesterday, you know. (laughs) And I really enjoyed it (laughs) immensely. (laughs) And my wife's going like this here, you know. But anyhow, there's this, you know, and and so here is this pop-up. You know, there's this little thing that says, there's a new God in the world, and it is you. And, And so, and it wasn't a small G, it was a capital G. There's a new God in this world, and this God is you. Now, again, we look at this and we say, it just seems like a simple thing. That pop up, there's a new God in this world, and it is you. But then you start putting it together with falling away of values, falling away of people not allowing God to be part of their lives. And we see that one man said, All it takes for evil to succeed is that good men do nothing. So, what do we do? What do we do to confront this type of evil in our society? What do we do to confront the wrongs in our society? Do we get out banners and do we get out, you know, public demonstrations? You know, and what, and and how do, is it, is it, is it in that type of of, uh, publicity and that type of stance that really makes a difference in people's lives? And generally we find out that it's not necessarily in the stance that people read on a sign, but it's in the stance that we have in our hearts and our lives by doing the right things, 
for the right reasons. And that's why it's so important for us to go into the presence of God freely, to walk into God's presence as if we belong there, and to allow God to touch our lives in such a way that we affect the people around us and that we touch their lives with the presence of God, even though they, we don't have to preach to them but, or say, you know, you need to get right with God, but that our life says that there's something about us that makes us different. There's something about our relationship with God that gives hope to people who don't have hope. And where do individuals who find themselves plotting to kill random people or finding themselves not wanting a child or just the horrendous act of setting another person on fire, where do these people, who rubs their life, who influences them, who challenges those, those behaviors, those fantasies, you see, when people don't have, have boundaries, and that's what our world, our, our society is pushing back. They want to push back the boundaries. And the church of Jesus Christ, you and I, the body of Christ, is the boundary. We are the boundary on sin. And sin wants no boundaries. Sin wants no boundaries. Because the lawless one... The Antichrist, Satan, evil, wants free sway over individuals' lives so that they have no boundaries. And God is telling us that we have boundaries because the boundaries keep us on the path of righteousness. That the boundaries give us a sense of direction and a sense of purpose. That we belong to a God who created the universe We haven't made ourselves a God. There is a new God in the universe, in the world, and it is you. And when people have that mentality that they alone are God, then they set the rules. They set the boundaries. But we come and we are a, the Bible, the the spiritual principles, the, the spirit of God in you and I is that boundary that is there that even people can't see it. You know, we you know, in the, call it a force field, you know, perhaps in the, the, sci, the um, sci-fi realm, that there is a force field. No, there is a person, and his name is Jesus. The Holy Spirit that abides within you changes and creates this this. this boundary that keeps people in check, keeps the world in check, because when Jesus Christ returns, the church will be taken. The church will be taken, raptured, caught up into heaven. Paul says, the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet him in the air. And when the church is gone, that's when the Antichrist and all hell will break loose on our world. Because the presence of restriction is gone. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in you and I. 
Sin is a separation from God. Sin is a separation from God. And it does not appear to be much. You know, we don't, we don't think of that separation as being too, you know, well, you know, there are people, there are sinners. But we don't see the full effect of it until we see the atrocities of murder and human trafficking. And all these sins, sinful activities start with thoughts and then actions, plans, and then deeds. But you see, for Christians, we can walk into the very presence of God because we belong there. We are his child. Now, it doesn't mean that we're perfect. It doesn't mean that we don't do have mistakes or we haven't sinned or things like that. But we have an advocate. We have one who prays for us, who intercedes for us. And we have this right relationship with God. You see, we belong to God. In Genesis chapter 2, um, verse 17, God commanded the man, you can eat. Now, this is what God says, okay? You can eat from any tree in the garden except from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat of it. For the moment you eat from it, you are dead. You're dead. Okay? You're going to die. Then we go to Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. The serpent was clever, more clever than any wild animal God had made. He spoke to the woman, Do I understand that God told you not to eat from any tree in the garden? Now, what did God say to Adam? He said, Don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. What did Satan repeat to Eve? Oh, do I understand that God told you to not eat any trees in the garden? Misquoting. You see, evil has a way of misquoting the truth. Misquoting the truth. Verse 2 and 3. The woman said to the serpent, Not at all. We can eat from the trees in the garden. It's only about the tree in the middle of the garden that God says, Don't eat from it and don't even touch it or you will die. Now, is that what God said? He said, Don't eat. Eve made the commandment more than what it was. She said, We're not allowed to touch it. You see, and so we, this is why it is important that we enter into God's presence and walk with God as a friend with friend so that we understand his in, what, the, what the intent of the law is. There are lots of people who are putting everybody in hell and telling, you know, that, that you've got to do it this way and you've got to do it that way. And if you don't do it this way, you know, there's a lot of well-intentioned people. But sometimes people are with full of good intentions but wrong. But the woman here says, don't even touch it. That's a distortion of the truth. Verse 4 and 5. The serpent told the woman, you won't die. God knows that the moment you eat from the tree, you'll see what's really going on. You'll be just like God. There's a new God in the, there's a new God in the world, and it is you. It's the same old trick. Here it is in Genesis, and here it was on the computer just yesterday. It's the same deceptive thought. 
you see what's really going on, you'll be just like God. Knowing everything, ranging all the way from good to evil. You're going to know it all. You see, there is this, the evil intent is that you are going to miss out on something. That's why we are t- tempted to sin. That's why we're tempted to, you know, and that's why people who are non-Christians and, and against the church, it's like the church is presenting boundaries and saying things to keep us from something. The church has all these laws and regulations and they, you know, they're, they're just a bunch of, you know, confused individuals. That's what people outside the church away from God are saying. And it's exactly what is going on. See, the important thing is don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, what we read in Hebrews, and that don't keep away, don't throw away your relationship with God. Don't throw away the greatest thing, the greatest part of who you are. And that's the ability to enter into God's presence. Not by, you know, we do it by God, be with me now. I'm in God's presence. I'm bringing it to my attention. I'm bringing it to, to my attention. That's my prayer, and I'm, I'm reminding myself. God has promised he'll never leave me nor forsake me. God is with me now. And every moment of every day when you stop and things are getting pushy and shovy and, and whatever and conflict is going on and you hear about these murders and, and, and all, these, all this garbage in our world, God reminds me, I'm in your presence. And in this place where I am, you are. And I am glad to be in your presence. Even when bad things happen, God, you're still with me. I'm in your presence. See, the devil tries to get us to misunderstand, misinterpret, totally turn our back on something that we know is true. And we go on. The woman saw. There are three temptations here. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Looks good feels good, it's going to make me more than what I am. When the woman saw that the tree looked like like good eating and realized that she would, what she would get out of it, pride, pride, lust of the flesh, feel good, what she would get out of it, she knew and that she would know everything, pride of life, going to make me more than what I am. I will know everything. She took and ate the fruit and gave some to her husband, and he ate. Now, in creation, this is a joke, okay? <laughs> Just to warn you ahead of time. That way you'll laugh when I'm done. Okay. See, there, in, in creation, God put Adam, he said, Adam, I will make you um, a perfect mate. She will love you. She will clean for you. She will cook for you. She will do everything without complaint. She will be your right arm, your left arm. She will wait upon you hand and foot, and she will do everything for you, but it's going to cost you an arm and a leg. And Adam says, well, what can I get for a rib? (laughs) That was Joel Osteen. (laughs) Joel Osteen, yeah, so, yeah. So what can I get for a rib? All right, so, a little joke there. 
<laughs> but we see that we see that God is with us and that in, and, and here we have Adam and Eve. And what were Adam and Eve doing before this, this temptation? They were, God would come in the cool of the day and they would walk with God as friend with friend. That's what they were supposed to do. And here we are in Hebrews and what is the, what is the writer of the Hebrews saying? Hey, let's enter into God's presence as if you belong there. Hello? We do. We belong in the presence of God. So when they heard the sound of God strolling in the garden in the evening, verse 8, the man and his wife hid in the trees of the garden and hid from God. That's why you and I never hide from God. Never run away from His Spirit. Because His Spirit is always beckoning, calling wanting us to enter into his presence. God doesn't want us to be separated. If we feel like running, God didn't put that thought in our mind. If we feel like we're no good or not good enough, God did not put that thought in your mind. If we feel that we have sinned and committed some unpardonable thing and that God will never forgive us, God did not give you that thought. That's when you're supposed to say amen. <laughs> I like, um, well, we'll read verse 10. Well, God called to man and says, where are you? Now, this is really kind of a foolish question. It's kind of like Jesus asking the blind man, what can I do for you? <laughs> and God says to Adam and Eve, where are you? You mean like God couldn't find them? No, he wanted them to respond. God calls us. You mean he doesn't know us? Yes, he knows you. He wants, to, he wants us to respond. He calls us by name. He calls us by his spirit touching our lives. He calls to us. Why? Because God wants us to enter into his presence. God wants us to enter into his presence. He wants to be our friend. He wants to be our constant companion and wants to be there to bless us and to remind us of his word and to encourage our hearts and that, we, that he has a plan and a purpose for our lives. So he wants us to come into his presence. David, where are you? I'm right here, God. <laughs> he wants me to respond. It isn't that he doesn't know. When I pray, is it that God doesn't know my needs? No, he wants me to respond Take my needs to him in prayer. David, what's going on in your life? You mean he doesn't know? Of course he knows. He wants me to take my needs and bring them to him because he longs to hear our voice. <laughs> you know, I, my mom would talk about my brother that when he died... She would say sometimes, I'd just long, I'd just like to hear his voice one more time. <laughs> well, now she can hear him, <laughs> you know. And I think of a mother wanting to hear the voice of her child. That is a dim reflection of God wanting to hear our voice. <laughs> he longs to hear your voice. He wants to hear your voice. And Adam said in verse 10, here, here, I, I hear you, <laughs> he said, 
I hear you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid. Verse um, 11, God said, Who told you that you were naked? Did you eat from that tree I told you not to eat from? You see, whenever we feel like we should be away from God, those are the very times we should confront those thoughts and go to God and receive his blessing. Don't be what the next verse is. The man said, it's not my fault, God. It's, that, it's your fault, God, because you gave me that woman. <laughs> and the woman said, it's not my fault, God. It's your fault, God. You created that, that serpent. It's not my fault. It's theirs. You see, it's, it's how we look at things and how we begin to see how we fit. And that's why the challenge is that we can't blame we can't blame our society. Well, it's the society's fault that there's a mass murder in, in, in Colorado. Well, somehow, someway, perhaps it's the church's fault that we haven't been the witness that we should be. Because don't we kind of look at people and pass judgment on them? They're too smart. They're too rich. They wouldn't understand. They want this and that. We make excuses for not presenting ourselves with Christ, presenting Christ with ourselves as an open book. See, God isn't about straightening up and then coming in. He's about coming in and then straightening up. Because if we could straighten up our life without God, we wouldn't need him. We need to come to God and allow God to help us become that person. There isn't any one of us who doesn't need to grow on in our relationship with Christ. And so we begin where we are at, and we begin by coming into God's presence. You know, are we, all, are we perfect? No. Have I sinned? Yes. Will I continue? To, will I sin? Probably. I, I, hope, I hope not, but I will. And I need to ask God to help me in my weaknesses. You see, the value of life is in the relationships and these people that they interviewed. The individuals that they interviewed in Colorado that survived. Some were wounded and some got out of there with their life and not shot. They were talking about how important their families, their friends, their children, valuing those relationships valuing who we are and the people that we touch and the people that touch us. That's where we have the greatest value in our life and that's the things that are going to last forever. And the relationship that we have with Jesus Christ by what? By entering, by walking right into God, right up to God in, in the holy place. I walk right up to God in the holy place. <laughs> that's where I belong. I belong there. Not because of who I am, but because of what God has done in me. His forgiveness. Second Corinthians. What agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God, as God says, I will dwell in them and walk in them. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. 
verse uh, 18. I will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. I'm, I'm, I want to be your father. I, I want to, what is he saying here? What agreement do we have? We don't have any agreement with the things that are anti-God. We are in a world. You know, I remember when I, I remember, sometimes I don't remember well, but anyhow, I remember whenever I was growing up in the church and, and they would say, you know, you, we, we, you're not of the world. And, and I would often think, well, I got to go to school. This is back when I was in high school. I got I, I to go to school. I, have, you know, I'm, I belong to Christ, but I'm not of the world, but I still have to go to school. I don't understand that. Well, what it meant was, I don't have an agreement with the people who are against God. The world, that which is anti-God, I don't agree with them. I don't, I don't walk in agreement with them. But I'm still there as a witness, as God's presence among them. Now, I don't have to wear, uh, you know, there's a guy that came up to the, would come to the hospital, it was a number of years ago, and he would walk in and he would just start preaching. He would tell everybody they're going to hell. He would tell them all they're going, you know, that they had sinned. And, and he'd just start, and they'd call me up. You got to go get him, David. You got to go talk to this guy. Get him out of the hospital. <laughs> and he was just an offensive individual. And he would just, you know, point fingers. And, and he just, it was like, what? in his mind, is, do you really think you're winning people to Christ by your stance? And, of course, he wasn't. But... When Jesus Christ returns, when Jesus Christ returns, this building will be left behind. This is not God's dwelling place. This is. You are. And when Christ returns, we're going to go spend an eternity with him. And an eternity with God begins now. Because we walk into his presence. So, and I'll, I'll close with this. You know, I, I, I know Doe has been speaking and letting you out in 20 minutes. That's, you know, I told you already today, forget it. It's a long Sunday morning, preacher's back. But first, first um, John, not first John, but John chapter 15, verse 16. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. Why did God choose us? Hebrews chapter 10. So friends, we can now without hesitation walk right up to God into the holy place. God chose us to walk into his presence and be his friend. I choose you, Jesus says. I choose you to be my child. Now we must make a choice. God, I choose to follow you. I choose to accept you as my Savior. Forgive me of my sins. I choose to be part of your body. I choose to read. We need to read the scriptures. Even if it's just a daily devotional, there in the back. If you don't have one, pick it up. We've got extra there. A daily devotional, something. If you don't put something different in, you'll not get anything different out. We've got to read the scripture. We've got to read things that are good. Because sometimes people get caught up in their fantasies. 
which are distorted, destructive. God gives us hope, and our hope is not a fantasy. It is an expectation of the blessing of God upon our life and his ability to keep us in the most difficult times, in the, most greatest, in the greatest of times, to bless us with many full blessings. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, what will happen? He will bless us, heal our land, forgive us of our sins, pour blessing into our life. Amen? Thank you. Let's stand, shall we? So as we choose, we choose to enter into God's presence. Remember, if you think you're not worthy, God didn't give you that thought. If you think you've committed some sin that God won't forgive you of, that is not God's thought. He longs to hear your voice. He longs to walk with you because he chose you as his child. Amen? Amen. Do you believe that? Then splash somebody with God's presence. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Give them a hug or a handshake. (laughs) 